Good morning, Bethel family. We are continuing in our series on the book of Acts. And today we are in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. I want to title the sermon this morning, Supernatural Power from Heaven. Supernatural Power from Heaven. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, God's Word says this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speaking in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Language, Perthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, whom we know as Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, Father, we ask that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Lord, only you can open our eyes to see you this morning. So as we gaze upon your word now in Acts 2, help us to pay much closer attention to it and to receive it as such. Now, Lord, as I attempt to serve your people this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be 
pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Speak, O Lord, for your servant hears. We pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the mighty friend of sinners. Amen. There was a time when a world-famous violinist named Fritz Chrysler earned a fortune with his concerts and compositions, but he generously gave most of it away. So when he discovered an exquisite violin on one of the trips that he was doing, he wasn't able to buy it. Later, having raised enough money to meet the asking price, he returned to the seller hoping to purchase the beautiful instrument. But to his great dismay, it, has been, it had been sold to a collector. Chrysler made his way to the new owner's home and offered to buy the violin. The collector said it had been, become his prized possession and he would not sell the violin to Chrysler. Keenly disappointed, Chrysler was about to leave when he had an idea. He said, could I play the instrument one more time before it is consigned to silence? He asked. Permission was granted. And the great virtuoso filled the room with such heart-moving music that the collector's emotions were deeply stirred. I have no right to keep that to myself, he exclaimed. It's yours, the collector said to Mr. Chrysler. Take it to the world and let people hear your talent. Why did I begin with this brief story? Because we as Christians, we have been given the greatest gift. Uh, we have the greatest treasure. The treasure of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian, that's you or me, has no right to keep the gospel just to himself. We must share this good news with everyone around us. But the question is, how can we do this labor of speaking the good news? Uh, we can speak it confidently by 
relying on the supernatural power from heaven. So according to this passage in Acts 2, I want to encourage you this morning to trust the Holy Spirit to help you speak the gospel of Christ confidently. Trust the Holy Spirit to help you speak the gospel of Christ confidently. Here we see Luke began to declare by saying in verse 1, when the Pentecost, the day of Pentecost arrived. Uh, So the day of Pentecost did arrive. Uh, What were they doing before the arrival of this day came? Well, we might recall in chapter 1 that we, that we saw previ- in previous Sundays, especially in chapter 1, verse 4, when Jesus charged his apostles to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. And he instructed them that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, chapter 1, verse 5. And he also informed them that they would receive power. For this reason, chapter 1, verse 8, to be witnesses of Christ in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What were they doing? They were waiting fervently. Waiting for what? To receive power from the Father to witness about Christ. See, the ministry of Christ and his gospel, of his kingdom, must continue even after the ascension of the Lord. And so, Just like Jesus needed the Holy Spirit who descended on him like a dove in John chapter 1 after or during his baptism, so also the ministry of the gospel being carried by his apostles depended on them receiving the coming of the supernatural power from heaven. Does it mean that the apostle did not receive the Holy Spirit before? Uh, No, of course not. They totally experienced a significant measure of the Holy Spirit power before. In John chapter 20, the passage which we heard read earlier by Pastor Chris, this is after Jesus rose again from the dead and started, uh, started to appear to the women and the disciples, beginning in verse 19, it says, on the, day, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed, the, showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they, had, when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, 
peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So my point there is that the apostle did receive the Holy Spirit before. If they had received the Holy Spirit before, then certainly here in Acts 2, the event must have been very special. Indeed it was. A very special historical event. Uh, This scene signifies a new period in God's dealing with his people. A theologian once said that the Pentecost signals the dawning of the age of the Holy Spirit. Uh, This event signifies the fullness of the Holy Spirit among God's people as the divine empowerment for, for them to be witnesses for the gospel of Christ to all the nations. So here's the question. What really happened at the Pentecost? We see her here in point number one, the mighty one descends. Let us look at these beginning verses again. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. To really understand this special historical event, we must ask ourselves these questions. What is the meaning of Pentecost? Uh, What is the significance of Pentecost? And why did the Mighty One descend during this day? Those are all good questions. Uh, The word Pentecost derives from the original language Greek word Pentecoste, which actually means 50 or 50th. And so Pentecost was a festival held 50 days after the Passover. In the book of Leviticus and Numbers, especially Leviticus chapter 23 and Numbers 28, the people of Israel at that time were commanded to bring their first sheaf reaped from the barley harvest to present to the Lord at the Passover. But at the Pentecost, the first fruits of the wheat harvest were also presented to God, and that day was labeled as the day of the first fruits, which is also called the Feast of Weeks. It is the Feast of Weeks because it starts 
seven full weeks. So according to the Old Testament scripture, there were three major feasts held each year. There was the feast of the Passover, which was held in the spring, celebrating Israel's deliverance from Egypt. And then there was the feast of the first fruit, which is the Pentecost, which was which, of course, as you know now, is called the Feast of the Fruits, which occurred 50 days after the Passover. And then the Feast of the Tabernacles, which was held in the fall. Out of these three festivals, Pentecost was the greatest festival because it was the, onish, it was the initial harvest feast where the people of Israel were to offer, to offer to the Lord the first fruits of the new grain. Among all these other rich rituals, the people were to wave before the Lord two loaves of wheat bread made with leaven as part of the public priestly sacrifices made for this feast. And so... Pentecost was the greatest festival out of all these three festivals. Ray uh, Arcane Hughes put it like this. The Pentecost was the best attended of the great feast because traveling conditions were at the best. There was never a more cosmopolitan gathering in Jerusalem than this. Friends, the Pentecost was so great, they even dedicated this day to be a day of remembering when God gave the law to Moses at Mount Sinai. So all that to say, It was not by coincidence that God chose to send his supernatural power from heaven on this day. Because this day was the day when thousands of people were gathered. People came from all over the place. And when when the people were gathered on this day, uh, the apostles were in the upper room waiting as Jesus told them to wait. And while they were waiting, they were just sitting down, devoting themselves in prayer along with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And while they were sitting there praying and waiting, the text tells us in verse 2, suddenly, uh, right away, uh, immediately, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. 
They did not see the Spirit, yet they heard the Spirit. They felt the supernatural power from heaven. What a dominant, fierce force. It probably felt like a powerful sound force going by. In all of history, I don't think that I've seen any perfect storm. A tsunami or tornado always tend to destroy things. Yet here, this sound of a mighty rushing wind was the perfect storm. It did not happen outside. It happened inside where they were sitting. And they felt the powerful effect of the Spirit. They were praying while waiting, thinned down even. But now, the wait is over. It came to fulfillment throughout the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. The text says, divided tongues of fire, as of fire appeared on them and rested on each of them in that room. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Listen, the supernatural power from heaven was a visible manifestation of the early church where the Holy Spirit came to help God's people start speaking the gospel of Christ confidently. It was here that God, by his Spirit, began to form the body of Christ, the church. You might recall in Matthew 16, verse 18, where the Lord told Peter that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And so in this event, the church was being established through the apostolic confessions who mightily became witnesses of Christ. This was God's early means of taking the gospel to all the nations, which ultimately will result in the glorification of his name in all the earth. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. So what does this divided tongues as of fire even mean? These divided tongues of as of fire which appeared on each person in the upper room were very unusual. 
It probably relates in some sense to John the Baptist's prophecy in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, that Jesus would baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. But regardless of that prophecy, the idea behind the picture of fire is revealed in at least three ways. The Holy Spirit is known to bring God's presence. The Holy Spirit is known to bring God's passion and God's purity. Romans 8 verse 9, Paul says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. The Spirit dwells in the heart of every single believer in Christ. In the Old Testament, God showed his presence to the people of Israel by overspreading the tabernacle with fire. Numbers chapter 9. This fire was the presence of God which revealed light and guidance. Also, Numbers chapter 9. But in the New Testament, God guides and comforts his people with the Holy Spirit by dwelling in our bodies as the temple of the living God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. The Holy Spirit is the manifestation of the presence of God. We also should know that the Holy Spirit brings a strong passion for God in our hearts. You might remember in Luke's gospel when the two traveling disciples were talking with the resurrected Christ and they made a statement of saying that their hearts burned within them. Luke 24, verse 32. So when these apostles received the Holy Spirit from heaven at the Pentecost, they had a compelling spirit of speaking truth about God with tongues as of fire because God's unique presence was powerfully within them at that time. And they were filled with a strong passion to speak about God. Not only that, the Spirit of Christ rested on each, each one of them. The word rested indicates that the Spirit who came, came to stay for a while. The Holy Spirit rests upon God's people as individuals and as a whole because, after all, the text tells us the Spirit filled the entire house where they were sitting. The Spirit of Christ 
rested in their hearts and filled the entire house where they were sitting. See, the mighty one who descends only descends powerfully like this once and never again in the pages of Scripture. This event probably won't happen like this again. But all we should know that it did happen as a fulfillment of Isaiah 11, verse 11. An event when the supernatural power from heaven came upon the apostles and they started to speak gracious, gracious truth about God in other tongues. Bethel, a passage like this uh, should encourage us to remember our purpose. Our purpose as part of God's people is not just to focus mostly on ourselves, our own happiness, and our own lives. Our purpose as believers is to spread the truth about God to everyone. It began here in Jerusalem and it reached all the way to us. And it needs to reach other people as well. And God has sent his spirit to help us utter the truth about him to those who do not know him. Trust the Holy Spirit to help you speak the gospel of Christ confidently. So what happened when the apostles started speaking in different languages? The second half shows that the crowd was bewildered and they were amazed. So point number two the amazed crowd. When I was pondering this text more closely, I wonder why Luke went through mentioning this long and somewhat tedious list of nations. He mentioned folks from Jerusalem and ended up encircling the land all the way to Arabia. Even more, we see that most of these folks mentioned in this list were Jews and Gentiles as well. Gentiles were converted, who converted to Judaism. We see them revealed here as proselytes or proselytes. Jews and Gentiles knowing their long history of disunity and conflict are both representative of people group which God wanted to reach. So the key to this list is in verse 5, which says, Now there 
there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from where? Every nation under heaven. Every nation under heaven gathered in this day. This word devout man basically means God-fearing. It was obvious as a fact that these people had made their way up to Jerusalem for this Pentecost festival. Here's the catch, though. They didn't quite know to an extent that the Messiah had come and had been crucified for them. Peter will surely explain all of that in his great exposition, which we'll see next week. But when I see, when I see this list, what comes to mind is the list of nations found in Genesis 10, a fallen nation that decided to build the Tower of Babel to reach heaven in Genesis 11. And what we encounter in Genesis 11 is God judging the whole earth by confusing their one language into multiple languages so that they wouldn't hear one another. So here at the Pentecost, by his rich grace, God reversed his, this confusion of languages into a miracle of speech that resulted into great evangelism. And the crowd were amazed and astonished, bewildered. They were amazed because they could not believe this was possible. They were amazed and astonished because the apostles and all the other women were speaking the mighty works of God. Amazed crowd, astonished crowd, couldn't believe this. They couldn't believe that they were speaking the mighty, mighty works of God in necessary languages for everyone to hear the truth about God in their own native language. The ability to speak in other tongues or language is a special kind of gift, a gift which demonstrates God's purpose in taking the gospel in all the nations. Since then, and now, uh, missionaries must toil and struggle to labor by God's energy to learn a different language in places where they have been sent to go. How can they hear without someone preaching? And how can they hear if you don't speak their language? Not unless you've got some kind of a translator. Here's my point. God's plan for salvation 
is no longer concealed to just some people. No, it is available right now to every single person who is willing to be receptive to receive it. His good news is for all the nations. As Apostle John declared in Revelation 5 verse 9, that Jesus ransomed a people for God by his own blood. He ransomed by his blood every tribe and language and people and nation. When we look forward to the eternal glory, we should aim to grab everyone with the gospel of truth, trusting that the Holy Spirit is our ultimate helper of speaking that truth. God has sent his spirit to help us utter the truth about himself. But how can we possibly fulfill God's plan for salvation when great opposition arise? When the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and other believers on the day of Pentecost, some who heard them speaking in different tongues were amazed and perplexed. And they were amazed and perplexed, and they started to exchange words to one another. What does this mean? And others started mocking. Is this new wine? This is often a question that persists, even in the modern day today. And many people would claim that this scene of what took place here during the Pentecost should prevail among the followers of Christ right now. People will press you down and aim to mock your faith in God. Some people would probably ask you questions like, have you received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? They will ask you if you even spoke in tongues before. Church, we need to realize and note that when questions like this one in verse 12 occur, when people tell you you are drunk or you have lost your mind, uh, we need to only remember to stand on the final revelation of the word of God. The word of God reveals one big story, a story of salvation found only in Jesus and his gospel for undeserving sinners like you and me, a story of the solid rock with which we stand. The gospel tells us that Christ died to forgive us of our sins that he died to save us from the divine wrath of God. And friends, this Jesus did not stay dead. He rose from the grave. 
And so, the day he rose from the grave indicates that we have power. And he ascended into heaven. And he is coming back again one day. Jesus promised that he will come back one day, even though he is the great intercessor for all who believe. He will return. And listen, church, before he comes back, we'll still have magnificent work to do. A work of telling everyone, beginning in North Wilmington and beyond, that Christ is the mighty redeemer. That Christ is the glorious savior. That he is the only one back home to the Father. How can we do this? We can do this by relying on the supernatural power from heaven to help us utter and speak to everyone the mighty works of God. The Spirit of Christ is here right now and willing to do whatever it takes, including learning another language, so that the name of Christ might prevail to everyone who do not know him. The point of Pentecost was the, it was the launch point of evangelistic mission. So the Spirit came so the gospel might go everywhere. It was the launch point of mobilizing the gospel of truth to everyone, everywhere. If we properly understand this, if we properly, properly understand this special historical event and take it to heart, we will be inflamed with a strong desire of wanting to see many people come to Christ. We will be inflamed with a strong desire of wanting to see every nation and tongue and language surrender before the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust the Holy Spirit to help you speak the gospel of Christ confidently. The goal of the gospel of Jesus is the glory of God. John Piper puts it plainly like this when he said, the reason mission exists is because worship does not. Again, in Revelation chapter 5, Apostle John has a vision of the nation worshiping together before the throne of God. This should be our vision as well. A vision that is to be continued our Acts title to be continued even right now. Shine on, church. Even when the gospel truth 
will not convince those who mock God. Not everyone will surrender and submit their lives to the sovereign rule of the Almighty. But the book of Acts is not just a book of encountering incredible conversions. It's, it's also a book of showing us fierce opposition when the gospel is proclaimed. And so we should expect the same today. People will brush us off. People will, will oppose our message. But we must cling to know that God is triumphant. And he has provided the supernatural power from heaven to help us proclaim the glorious gospel to all people, no matter what. Oh, trust the Holy Spirit to help you speak the gospel of Christ confidently. Let me end with this short story. John Piper once preached a sermon to thousands of college students at a passion conference titled, Boasting Only in the Cross. And he opened that message like this. He said, two elderly women gave their retirement years to go to Cameroon for the sake of the gospel. These two women, one was 80 and one was pushing 80. One day, they were driving, and their car brakes failed. Their car went off the cliff, and both women died instantly. So Piper asked the students, was that a tragedy? He answered, no, that wasn't a tragedy. Let me tell you, what a tra tell you about a tragedy. Piper cited a Reader's Digest article about how many Americans are taking early retirement so that they can pursue their own pleasure. One couple had bought a yacht and spent their time sailing off the coast of Florida collecting seashells. Piper said, now that's a tragedy. Because can you imagine this couple standing before God at the judgments, judgment day and saying, here is our seashells, Lord. Let not that be us. God's purpose at Pentecost was to establish his church with the mighty power of the Holy Spirit from heaven so that we would be witnesses to all the nations, including our workplace, the cafe, the grocery stores, even at your home. That's the evangelistic work of the supernatural power from heaven. Oh, I pray that the God, the Spirit of Christ, 
would help us to speak Christ confidently to other people who do not know him. Let us pray.